The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with Let me do a little Bible study with you this morning. Is do or don't do, but don't try. And that is why you fail. That's the title of the message. We're going to do it last Sunday morning. God said no. And so I'm going to do it this Sunday morning. Joshua, take your Bible to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. Verse 15 will be where we start. Verse 15 is where we start. If you're visiting with us and you were shy and didn't want to be known for visiting with us, that's perfectly fine. You still can see the girls out front there with the T-shirts. If you'll give me your, your name and phone number and we'll just text you a thank you for coming. We'll not sell it. We'll not abuse you. But if you'll just give us your name and phone number, then we will give you either a free T-shirt, free hat, one as a memorabilia of coming to the Old Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Um, let me begin reading, make a few comments as we go along, and may the Lord teach us something this morning. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. Isn't that interesting? They're talking about the people on the other side of the flood. I thought that's an interesting reference. Or the God of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. And most of I have this up over the front door of my house. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If I came into your house and wanted to see some evidence that you were a Christian, would there be any? If I looked, if you were, I mean, you, you, I went into your house without notice, and I walked around your house, would there be any evidence Physical evidence that you were a Christian. A Bible on the table, uh, Friends of Israel, the book on, on next to your test. Would there be plaques on your wall? Well, there is one We're going on, on the way out of my house. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you come into my gate, there's a couple testimonies also uh, that I'm a Christian. There's some Bible verses there. Because if you come in trespassing, you will need the Lord. The setting for verse 15 is, you know, Moses brought the children of Israel, man, out of Egypt, 10 great miracles, greatest ever recorded, crossing the Red Sea, had manna to eat, which was uh, basically Krispy Kreme, hot, warm by the sun, and then they had uh, quail, three feet deep, they ate quail in the morning, quail at night, ate quail, 
quail and Krispy Kreme, it don't get better now. And um, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. God took them by, to Mount Sinai, manifested himself to them with fire, literally heard the voice of God. Got the Ten Commandments. Of course, you know, Moses being up there 40 days and 40 nights, that's a long time for any Baptist. And so they backslid and started worshiping the gods of Egypt again. And so Moses came down, broke the first two tablets, were written in the finger of God. And then there was uh, some judgment taking place there in the camp. And then uh, they repented. And he went back up again with God and got another two tables, which he put in the Ark of the Covenant. They eventually went into a place called Kadesh Barnea. About a year after they left Egypt, God brought them into the promised land. This promised land. This promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It, it, it was green. It was rich. It was, it was abundant. And they had been in Egypt. They had been in the desert now for a year. Who wouldn't be looking forward to that? They're, they're, statistically, it looks like there may have been about two to two and a half million, maybe even three million of them. I mean, that's just a whole lot of folk moving anywhere. Amen. And so they got to the place, and you know the story most of you do, that they sent uh, 12, what the Bible calls spies or representatives, one of each tribe, heads of those tribes, men of renown, men of understanding, men of uh, responsibility, were sent into the land to spy it out, to kind of, you know, reconnaissance, as the military would say. So they go into the land. Come back. Ten of them say, by the way, they're carrying the fruit of land. I mean, it's so big. The fruit is so big. They got a pole. They got this pole they're carrying this thing. I mean, unbelievable. They all testified. All 12 of them testified. This is a truly a land flowing with milk and honey. This is everything God said it was. And 10 of them said, except there are giants in the land. They have high walled cities. They're people of war. We're a bunch of brick masons. And we don't, we'll never be able to do it. Two of them, you know, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. God, Look, I just saw 10 miracles in which he destroyed. I just saw the Egyptian, the bodies of the Egyptians floating up on the Red Sea. The greatest army in the world, which could have went in and taken, taken the promised land of themselves had they wanted to, but they, they were pursuing us. God closed the Red Sea upon them that we saw their bodies floating up as a testimony that with God all things are possible. I gave you a man in the morning. I gave you a fire by night. I gave you a cloud by the daytime. Your clothes ain't worn out. Girls, your shoes are. I spoke to you out of fire of the mountain of Mount Sinai. I gave you ten commandments to help you. You're in here. Here you go, ready to go. And you're saying, no faith, unbelief. What was the sin of the Garden of Eden? Unbelief. What was the sin of the people who, the, the ten spies who said they couldn't take the land? Unbelief. What's going to be your sin if you're not careful? Unbelief. The foundation of every sin that's ever been committed is not believing God. Joshua, Moses, uh, you know, he sins against God publicly and a leader to whom much is given, much is required. If I sin, I get a harder punishment than you because I'm a leader. I've been appointed by God, anointed by God, placed here by God. And if I be somehow betray God's trust in me, it's a bigger sin than the average person. To whom much is given, much is required, the way Jesus said it. 
James said, let there not be many, uh, if I may paraphrase it, leaders among you, seeing we incur a stricter judgment. It's a, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of living God. And so Moses sinned. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. And uh, his, Miriam died, of course, before that. Aaron died before that. Moses died. And he's buried where nobody knows where he is. Why? If they'd find him, they'd worship the grave. You know that. Then uh, Joshua, the, the, because of their sin there at uh, Kadesh Barnea, they were, they were cursed to, to, to wander, the Bible says, for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, we're talking desert. We're talking three inches of rain or less a year. We're talking a, a wasteland. They, were, they didn't get to go into the promised land because they didn't believe God. And you won't get to go if you don't believe God. And then they wandered that generation that had seen the ten miracles as adults, by the way. As adults, they saw the ten miracles. They saw the Red Sea as adults. They saw the Egyptians' bodies floating on the shore as adults. They, they, they ate the, the, the Krispy Kreme off the ground every morning as adults. They were responsible as adults. And he said, everybody above 20 is going to die in the wilderness because you didn't believe me. That's a whole bunch of people. But their children... 20, which were 20 and under, were allowed but to go into the promised land, but they had to wait for 40 years for that generation to die in the wilderness. So God, in his mercy, allowed them to live another 40 years. He could have immediately wiped them out, but he didn't. So those children, which were not part of their sin, had to suffer for their parents' sin, just like it will happen today if you sin. If you turn your back on God, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your you're, it's going to keep rolling out. And so those kids, I feel bad for them. They had to go out in the wilderness after they were right on the edge. They had to go out in the wilderness another 40 years. Wow. I've always kind of made a humor of the last two guys to die. They were saying, how do you feel today? You feel good today? Feel bad? You got a little heart murmur? They were hoping those two guys died, so they'd go in the promised land, man. Them last two guys, I wouldn't want to bend them. Well, anyways, the last one died, and he's this generation now. By the way, they were 20, but by the time they got to go into the promised land, they were 60 years old and under. So they went into the promised land under a new leader. His name was Joshua. Joshua was a servant from day one to the day he was made leader because you can't be a good leader unless you're a good servant. If you can't take orders, you can't give them. If you're not under authority, you can't be in authority. And so he, he takes them in. They conquer the land. About 15 years, I think it took, something like that. But they didn't conquer all the land because God said, you're not big enough. There's not enough of you. And I'm going to give you the land little by little. They said, otherwise, if I gave it all to you at one time, the animals would multiply and begin to consume you and have trouble. So I'm just going to give you what you can. There was about two, however many there were of them at that moment. There was, you know, they conquered it enough to live. The 12 tribes cast lots. God, God was in that. And then the 12 tribes were distributed the land of Palestine, the land of Israel, both sides of the Jordan, all the way down from Beersheba to Dan, and that whole thing over to the ocean, Mediterranean Sea, all the way to the Dead Sea and, and then past. And so they were given that area. And that's when our chapter comes into play. They have, they've conquered the land for the most part. All, they've seen God take a place like Jericho, which, was, which had eight, according to, I've been to Jericho. I've stood in Jericho. I talked to archaeologists at Jericho. They said those walls were possibly 80 feet high. 
it would be with the, with the tools ahead of the day, it would be an, impossible to conquer Jericho. Except God. And you're going to run into a lot of impossible things in your life. Except God. And they took Jericho and they took the chief city of the north. I've been to the chief city of the north. Chief city of the north was about 10 acres walled just like Jericho. No, it was unconquerable. Except God. And so God conquered one after another, after another, after another. Finally, that whole land, pretty much the major sources of resistance were, were, were eliminated. There were still some things to do, and they were eliminated. And he comes down, Joshua's coming to the end of his time with them, and that's when he, in verse 15 of our text says, And it seemeth evil unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. It is time this morning that you and, I, you and I and every Christian chooses definitively who they really want to serve. What's hurting Christianity in America is Christians with one foot in the world and one foot in the camp of God. They're not really making a definitive choice whom they will serve. And Joshua reasons with him, says, whether well, it's the gods your fathers were serving the other side of the foot of the Amorites, okay, go serve them. But as for me and my house, we, I've determined, I've made application of the truth. I have decided, I've driven a stake down that I am going to serve the Lord and the people with me are going to serve the Lord. I'm a fundamentalist. That's what he said, basically. Fundamentalists have been by call all kinds of names, Waldensians and all kinds of different names, but we're still all the same. We're fundamentalists. We believe the Word of God literally, normally, and we take it for what it says, and we endeavor to obey it in its fullness. That is what makes up a fundamentalist in any language, in any place in the world. question this morning I ask of you, are you? A fundamentalist. I didn't say after you if you were a Baptist. I said, are you a fundamentalist? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe God? And look at verse 16. The people answered, and these were the kids of those unbelievers who died in the wilderness. They said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. They personalized it. He is not one of many gods. He is not one of a group of gods. He is the God. He is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Joshua, as a good fundamental preacher would do, Warn them of the holiness and the judgment and the wrath of Almighty God. He was, he was attempting to, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to warn them 
that if they mocked God by their lives, he would judge them. That it couldn't be just a verbal assent of God. It couldn't be with loving much with your mouth and then your heart being far from him. It had to be both your heart and your mouth combined. Otherwise, he said, if you come up with it, <laughs> he's a jealous God, he's a holy God. Look what he says there. He will not forgive your sins. For And look in verse 20, for if you forsake the Lord strange and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he hath done you good. Now, you that know Bible history, Old Testament history especially, know that's exactly what happened. For the majority of Israel, they did not make personal application of the truth. God was not their God. It was a form of religion. And they backslid and picked up those things around them and added it to the things of God. They added parts of the world to the things of God and added things that they saw that they liked to the things of God. And ultimately, God consumed them. And that's what he's warning them about. And the people said to Joshua, verse 21, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. That, by the way, is the third time. Verse 22, And Joshua said to the people, You are my witnesses against you. You are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. That's the fourth time. Now therefore put away, he said, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. That's the application part. He said, if you indeed are a follower of God, live like it. Are you with me? Live like it. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice will we obey. That's the fifth time that they said, we're going to serve him. We're going to do his will. We're going to follow him. Well, if you go to Judges, in verse, chapter 1, verse 19, I'm going to read a few there. You don't have to go there if you don't want. It's the next book, Joshua Judges. What happened after Joshua? What happened after he died? Well, it says in verse 19, The Lord was with Judah and drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Verse 21 of chapter 1 of Judges. The children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites and inhabit Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin uh, in Jerusalem unto this day. In verse 27 of chapter 1 of Judges, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshem. In verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the inhabitants of the Canaanites. In verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. In verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko. I thought they just swore before God they were going to do the right thing. I thought they just swore five different times that they would follow God. And one of, the, one of the requirements of following God was to do his will and obey him. And if they did that, then he would take care of driving out all those people. As you can tell by the next book here in the first chapter, they didn't do that. Look what happened in chapter 2 of Judges, verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of God, died. The servant of the Lord died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of inheritance in, in uh, 
Timnath there is, and the Mount of Ephraim and the hill of uh, Gaish. And also, and in verse 10 there, and also all that generation were gathered under their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. A absolutely. Which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. The old school passes, and the second generation comes up and begins to drift. Verse 11, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. And many of you know the consequences of all of that. Look in, in Joshua as he warned them. I'll go back to Joshua, and I'm going to show you a prophecy he made that if they did what I just read that they did there in Judges, it hadn't happened yet in the 23rd chapter of Joshua, but going back to Joshua 23rd, he prophesies to them, if you don't have a whole heart for God, if you don't apply what you hear into your life, this is what's going to happen in Joshua 23:13. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. That is, if you don't listen to him, if you don't apply what he says, but what will happen? Well, there'll be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides, and boy, that ain't good, and thorns in your eyes until you perish off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. Most of you that have read the book of Judges, after Joshua tells them, today is, I'm going to serve the Lord, will you? And they say five times, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Well, most of that generation did it, but their children, somehow it didn't get to the children. It didn't trickle down to the children. The Bible says, when well, them old boys that saw the miracles and stuff, which were the kids of the original people out of Egypt, these are the kids of those 20 and under, and when, when they, they seemed to do the right thing, but when their kids... When they died, their kids seemed to drift. What, is, what are we learning from this? Number one, let me, give you some, let me give you some things we learned from. Number one, the tendency is to drift. The tendency is to go left. Do you see that? Do you see that historically? You see that with Yale and Harvard and, and school after school after school, that it starts out fundamental Bible-believing like these people, and, and, and in a given a period of time, a certain group will die off, and then that next group that seems to replace them, is left of them? I always ask the question, why don't the next generation go right a little bit? Why don't the next generation uh, uh, be more conservative than their mom and dad? Because that's not our nature. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. You know, in, in some degrees, I'm more conservative in application than my mom and dad were. I'm an actual exception to the rule. Um. My mom and dad approved of certain things that I don't do and wouldn't do, don't think it's, it's where I ought to be. But you don't have to conform to what happened to generation after generation after generation through the Bible. Is it the, the, the old mom and dad do right, and then the kids decide, well, I, I'm going to move a little bit left. Now, what we, mean, what we mean by left is liberal. What we mean by left is not applying the truth quite as much. They apply some of the truth, let's say 80% of the truth, but 20% they don't apply. But what you do in moderation, your children do in excess. And so this 20%, I don't apply it. My, my grand, the grandchild over here, he doesn't apply 40%. He applies 60%, but he don't apply 40%. 
But what happens is pretty soon you get in a situation of total unbelief. Three, four generations down the road. Where are you going with this, preacher? You get to find out. Stick around. The book of Judges records some 13 judges that ruled in their land over a period of 389 years. There were seven apostasies, seven servitudes by seven nations. Did these people lack education? No. Did they lack a system in place to stop this from happening? No. Did they lack opportunity? No. Did they lack knowledge of what God said? No. They became, let me just put it to you this way, they became hearers of the word and not doers. Amen? Look at the verse above me. Luke eleven twenty eight. Look at it. Jesus' words, by the way, if that makes a difference to you. Blessed are they, blessed are they to hear the word God and, and do what? Keep it. You, you know, I know people with family Bibles in their, in their home, and they, they think somehow that family Bible is going to sanctify their house. They live like the devil, have a Bible on the table. That's supposed to do something for them. That's what they call a fetish. God's not into fetishes. He's not in. Don't wear a cross thinking somehow that cross is going to make you holy. Don't wear jewelry and somehow think that jewelry is going to make you holy. God cares about the invisible things. He cares about your attitude. He cares about your internal thinking. Where the words of my mouth, the, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. David in Psalm 51 cries out, O renew, give me a pure heart. God cares about the things people can't see, what you really are. Are you applying and believing God? Believing Him's maybe enough to be saved, but if you don't apply it, then you can't be in obedience. And if you're not in obedience, you're going to eventually come under judgment. Why? Because Joshua said so. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is holy. And he will not tolerate your playing around. You're on the edges of the thing. They became hearers of the word and not doers. The first generation that gets saved, like you, brother. Brother, Brother Carpia, you're the first generation. You got saved. Uh, you struggle. You suffered. You've seen the giants. You felt the heat. You've been scarred into the battles. You've watched God deliver and discipline for your disobedience. You had experiential knowledge and deep personal commitment to apply the truth that you knew it and you saw it. You knew God and believed what He said and simply wanted to follow Him in, in a humble heart. They had, they had strong leadership and many absolutes of truth. Rebel, the rebels were dealt with harshly, and the slightest change was brought to everybody's attention. That's the first generation. But then the Bible says there came up another generation. They didn't know about the miracles personally. Oh, they'd heard about them, but they had not seen them. The second generation, they had no struggles. They had little adversity. They'd inherited the blessings. They'd inherited the buildings. They'd inherited the privileges. They'd inherited the knowledge without personal impact, and they fell away from the Lord. The system by which they backslid is the same system that happens today. It's the same system that's happening in America right now, and it's why we're in the shape we're in. 
If you wonder why we got a candidate like Hillary and a candidate like Trump, it is because it is a reflection of who we are. Liberals today call often new evangelicals do not lack doctrinal statements. They don't lack buildings. They don't lack schools. They don't lack heritage. They lack the same thing that the children of Israel lacked, and that is applying God's word to their lives. What happened? First of all, they did not personalize the truth. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. There arose another generation after them who knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done to Israel. Your kids, born again, fundamental Bible believer here this morning, your kids need to realize that they are sinners like you realized you were a sinner. You don't inherit the kingdom of God by being raised in a great environment. I'd like to tell you that in, I'd like to tell you like our circumstantial psychologists all over the United States want to tell you that you're a product of your circumstances, but you're not. You can be raised in a, in a group of people that love God and turn out to be the devil himself. I think Judas approved that, amen. Educated by Jesus, saw all the miracles everybody else said, and he was the devil himself, the son of perdition. Circumstances do not make a Christian. Christian school does not make a Christian. Homeschooling does not make a Christian. All of us carry with us the old evil nature that can't be changed by circumstances, but only can be changed by repentance and faith in Christ and the applying, the keeping, the taking heed to the Word of God. Make it your own. They did not personalize the truth. Jesus Christ needs to be your Savior, not your mom and dad's Savior. He needs to be your Lord, not your mom and dad's Lord. The old King James Bible needs to become your Bible, not the old man's Bible, not the preacher's Bible, not them old fogies' Bible. Uh, uh, the Gospel Baptist Church needs to become your church, not their church. I know we're in trouble when I go to a house and they say, uh, your church or their church. That means it's not their church. Are you with me on that? It's if I'm going, if I go to Gillespie and he tells me uh, your church, I know we got trouble right off the bat. He don't want to say nothing else. He just says, well, you know, that church or Gospel Baptist or their church, that's somehow with that statement, they just separated. I've, I've, I've been at the houses before when they've said it and I said, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, I thought this is our church. I thought, we were all family. I thought the Holy Spirit, and uh, we were all, and they'll go, well, they've already separated. That's what happened to these people. As for God, he is our God. We will serve him. Five times they witnessed to it in a public arena, and it was recorded and written down. Their children would have possibly been there to hear all of that. But somehow I believe in the majority of the children didn't say, uh, Jehovah's our God. Uh, you like, you like, well, we want to change the music. We want to change the Bible. We don't want to wear conservative dresses. We want to wear short shorts. We want to wear tight tops. We don't want to, we don't want to look doty like they're 
their girls, look, we want to go to dances. We want to have fun. I want to tell you this. There's nobody has more fun than fundamental, independent, Bible believers. Nobody has more fun than we do. That old thing we had on Friday night, a beautiful thing. We have a clear conscience. We wake up in the morning, we got a clear conscience. Then people go out and they party this weekend and get drunk so bad off. They get on drugs, they do drunk, they do cocaine or whatever, and they do sex, they do pornography. That next morning, they're ridden with guilt. And trouble follows them. Whew. They did not personalize it. They did not have a relationship with God. I talk to people who sin on a regular basis. I'm talking about born-again Christians who, who, who sin. And one thing I do is I get them in front of me, and I love them. I love them. I, I want to die for them. And I say, you just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because if you cared about him, you wouldn't do it. If you cared at all about Jesus, you wouldn't do it. If you cared at all about what he's done for you or the Bible, or if you cared at all about the lost who are looking at to you to see if it's real, you wouldn't do it. You have no relationship with Jesus. You need to be tender on pleasing God. Real tender about what Jesus thinks. Real tender about hurting his reputation. That's where we need to be tender. Uh, we need to be tender about taking the things we read in the Bible and saying they're mine. I submit my will to you. Do you really delight in the Lord? Do you delight in Him? I love I love the concept. You know, I, I'm not saying I love the concept, but I, I like to get around newlyweds. This newlywed couple over here, they just he got his hand on her shoulder. He can't take his hands off of her. I mean, you know, he delights in her. He's just delighting in her. Amen? When I, get, when I go home, I'll say, Kathy, put your hand on my shoulder. I'll put my hand on your shoulder. She said, what are you doing with your hand on my shoulder? Why are we doing give me a hard time? That's that's kissy face. Why? It's you know, I'm sorry. I want to be in love with Jesus like that. It's the only way you're gonna make it. You're not gonna make it by sound doctrine only. A lot of people with good doctrinal statements backslid cold as ice. You're not going to make it with good intentions. These people had good intentions. I met tons of people with good intentions. It ended horribly. You're going to have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is real, that is vital, that is daily. That is moment by moment almost. That just wakes up in the morning and says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. You're going to have to go to bed saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When you prepare a table before me, in the very presence of mine enemies, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Inculcate his word into your soul. See, we're not playing a game here at the gospel. We're not playing a game. We jump up, we say this all the time, we repeat ourselves, we try to say, why? Because we know if you ever get it, it'll cause you to live. And you'll live and make it all the way to the end. You'll be the two out of the ten. You'll be the exception to the rule. I believe that daddy and mommy can get saved and live for Jesus and be a, a true fundamentalist. And I believe the kids can live for Jesus and be a true fundamentalist. And I believe their kids can live for Jesus and be a true fundamentalist. But every generation must make it their own. Have you? Have you made it your own? Make it your own. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You come to church and you're hearing it, but it's not yours. It's not you. It's not yours. I can tell you, I'll give you the warning Joshua gave them. Don't believe on God. Don't don't keep coming to church. Don't 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 read your Bible, because God's a holy God. He's a jealous God. And 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 when you mock Him like that, ooh, you in some bad trouble. But you've never had anything like it come your way. Just like Hebrews chapter 10 says, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Don't play around with the holiness of Jesus Christ. Christians, we need to dress different than the world dresses. We need to act different than the world acts. Just as a manifestation that there is something holy in us. There's something real in us, something holy, something different. I don't want to talk like they talk. I don't want to walk like they walk. I don't want to dress like they dress. I don't want to, in the, in the immodesty and sensuality of it all, God forbid. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The resolve of that rings true to me. I like that. I just like it. Don't you? Father, help us this morning. Give us wisdom to understand what this is about. Speak, Father, for thy servant heareth. O God, may the words of our mouth be pure words and real words. May there be somebody in this group that was, this was for this morning. I am very aware that when I preach, I throw seed out there. It's not for everybody. But for those who it is for, may they receive it. And may that seed land on good ground. And may it grow. Oh, Father, 
Please convict the hypocrites that are hearing this right now. They know who they are. Those who are playing the game, those who are running the scan, the con, those who are one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God, God convict them before it's too late. Convict them. Cause them this morning to say, I'm living for God. I'm nailing this down like Joshua did. It's for me and my house. I'm going to serve the Lord. Your house may just make, just may be you at this moment. Well, you need to nail that down. It's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Father, help them before it's too late. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.